You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. After a brief break from The Bannerman, we are back with episode 31. How are you today, Varty? You know, I'm I'm okay. I'm uh, mixed emotions today. I'm mixed emotions. Wow. I had a nice little Thanksgiving week. We got to hang out. We hung out with some friends. It was lovely. Friendsgiving. We had a Friendsgiving dinner. We had a Friendsgiving. It was delightful. Yes. Uh, I got to play hockey with some dudes up there, some good friends up there. Little little shout out to the Morningwood Academy. Thank you much for, uh, for letting me be involved and showing my defensive prowess. I hear uh, there's some Bannerman fans in that locker room. A few. I was I was shocked that they existed. I, I thought they were, <laughs> were a myth. Who are still surprised every day, even though every like, every day. I I cannot believe people actually pay attention to the words that come out of my mouth. Yeah, I sometimes I'm surprised that I even listen to you. So it's it's pretty impressive. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. But I, I'd say yeah, that was good. Saw a bunch of movies, which was nice, and. Uh, and now we're back to this, you know, confusing state of affairs that is the LA Kings. Indeed. Um, how, how was your week? Briefly. Briefly. briefly um, obviously, we covered Friendsgiving. Um, I watched Bohemian Rhapsody, which I know you uh, saw as well. Good movie. Good movie. I, I enjoyed it. You know, I lot, enjoyed it. A lot of the reviews were like, just, you know, your typical biopic, nothing special, paint by numbers. It's like, but that was fine. Like, I don't want to have to focus on you know freddie mercury's final days and like how sad it was and like yeah i don't i don't need that this was about the music and i love the way they ended the movie without giving too much away they made it about the music and i'm perfectly fine with that so i yeah. loved it um i'm slowly losing my faith in rotten tomatoes <laughs> because they used to be pretty accurate with where my feelings were on a film but lately they've been disappointing me so perhaps yeah. it's time to move on and just maybe we should do a podcast about rating movies and Maybe we could be the authority now. I like it because we're never wrong, as this podcast has proven. I mean, we're thirty-one for thirty-one. And by the way, this is podcast number thirty-one, the honorary Eric Erzberg episode. Oh my! Yes. Oh my! Yes, digging deep into the Swedish goalie archives. Perhaps fitting because this season, once somewhat promising, <laughs> has really come off the rails on. Various levels. Okay, let's just pick it up. Okay, we so many things. So last episode we said um, trades probably coming after the firing. Mm-hmm. Trade came mm-hmm. Tanner Pearson for Carl Hagelin. Yes. Right off the bat, very confused. I was very confused by this trade. Very much a shoulder shrug type of deal. Um, I understand after doing some research and obviously looking at the contracts that hey Carl Hagelin's a free agent so the Kings obviously can let him walk at the deadline or trade him away at the deadline whatever uh, pick up a future and save some cap space that makes sense but then I ask this question Vardy why not simply trade Tanner Pearson for a draft pick perhaps I I get it his value is low Mm -hmm. I get it and maybe Hagelin gets you a third or a second if someone's really drunk and then <laughs> but but why couldn't Tanner Pearson get you a third or a second I understand at the deadline it doesn't work the same way because Pearson still has term but I don't know I was kind of confused I don't see how this changes much makes the Kings better makes the Kings worse puts them in any kind of better position I don't know it was just it seemed like a trade for the sake of making a trade because enough was enough, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair assessment of it. And and Pearson, for better or worse, was was an was a easily tradable piece in that regard because yeah. um one, he still very much had potential, even if his value wasn't necessarily at its highest, um, with regard to his production. But young guy, term on contract you know, has been a 20 goal scorer and maybe this is his peak. Maybe being a 40 point 2020 guy is his peak, which granted we haven't seen that necessarily, at least in the Kings uniform so far this year. Um, and he hadn't scored in like nine games, 10 games, something, something insane like that. And so had no goals, I think the entire season leading up to that point. Mm -hmm. So it, it definitely for Pittsburgh, at least it's definitely a buy low kind of situation. And but why the Kings would feel that 
you know, Hagelin is the guy that they got to get back. Like, what does Hagelin bring to your team that you don't necessarily have? And how is it going to improve your team? I don't understand. So the only thing I can think of is exactly what you already mentioned is that the, the ability to get rid of his contract by the end of the year and trade him uh, to a cup contender at the deadline because he clearly has cup experience on the Pittsburgh team. He's shown he can be a playoff performer. Yeah. No, I Come know. On. I know. Uh, Tanner Pearson, 17 games with LA this season, one assist. First yep. game of the season, nothing yep. after that. So that's 16 games without a point. Goes to Pittsburgh in seven games. He has three goals and an assist better than he was yes. doing here obviously um his ice time has been about the same i don't think there's any kind of deployment discrepancy there or anything like that so change of scenery i guess worked for him yeah. great um don't love the trade man uh didn't love it from day one yeah i think we could have gotten more back for sure yeah and I, maybe maybe that's just us being you know biased kings fans but i, I mean if you're if you're getting rid of a 24 he's 24 years old something like this 26 year old guy signed to a sweetheart deal who you know can score 15 to 20 goals and the only thing you're getting back is carl Hagelin. i feel like four years older by the way about the same production you know a lot of made about his speed but how much faster is he really than let's say tanner pearson or how much faster is he than tobias reader was last season exactly exactly that's a great example tobias reader is the first name that came to mind is like we just got reader again yeah um yes kaglin has a little bit of playoff pedigree as you mentioned but i don't know fine a trade to make a trade and it didn't do anything. It this didn't. Is, this, here's he, the problem. It, I, don't I think know it was what. meant to be done as a shakeup, and it didn't. It didn't shake anything. Um, let's see. So in the last ten games, the Kings are four and six. The trade was made seven games ago, so whatever. It's not an exact science, but they're four and six because they just won two in a row. Let's not kid right. ourselves. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Um, They've been, I guess, decent the last few games. I don't know if we want to go through all the games here um, since the the coaching hire was made. I think we covered the Anaheim game yeah, and the game after which they lost to Minnesota. Right. We were doing that one live. Okay. Right. So, so it's been pretty much an even record back and forth. But if you look at the wins and which teams they've come against – Chicago, St. Louis, Edmonton, and Vancouver, and those are you know those are not world beater teams. These right. are pretty much bottom third teams, just like the Kings have been. Teams that are trying to find their way. Vancouver, when we lost to them prior to this game, was coming off of eight straight losses, and we still managed to lose to them four to two at home. So, I, I'm not. I don't know. I'm I'm not seeing yeah i'm not seeing anything yet to make me think that there's that the season is turned around in particular way i haven't seen anything from 10 games of willie desjardins to make me feel like there's any drastic difference in terms of the performance of the team i haven't seen anything um from the tanner pearson trade to make me think that that's shook up the locker room or woke people up we got what four games of Carl Hagelin before he got hurt now, and yeah. he's he's on IR for so, a while. So since the hire, since the hire, the Kings are five and six. Okay, so, okay. They have, they have five wins and six losses. That's it's depressing to even call that close to five hundred and make it sound like it's anything positive. We talked about how in order to turn this season around, the Kings would have to play about. 750 hockey maybe Mm -hmm. going into this stretch right which features as we mentioned a lot of pacific division games so technically if you're looking just at pacific division games Games? yeah they're two and two and one of those want to go back to anaheim right fine (laughs) they're they're three and two yeah they're they're not this is not what's going to get you this is not the type of tear no, that you need to no. be going on. You need to take the back-to-back right now in Edmonton. And and even that's not enough, man. Let's. It's not. I, I don't want to be negative. I really don't want to be completely negative, but I'm just not overly positive about what's happening. Like, they beat Edmonton, okay? They beat Edmonton, and 
there was like this explosion of happiness on Twitter and everyone's like, something changed, you know, wow, look at the, no, no, Edmonton is in a whole lot of trouble themselves. Right. They Vancouver, just fired their coach. One of the They're worst teams in the NHL. Okay. You want it like, let's see what they do when real powerhouse teams roll. And let's see what they do Sunday against Carolina. Okay. Let me see that. Well, you've seen what they do. They I know, I know what they do. But what I they mean lose seven three to Colorado, and they get right, absolutely exactly. mollywhopped and embarrassed. Exactly, and those were two man. That Nashville third period was, and they played two good periods, by the way. Yeah, they played two good periods, by the way, and they the third period they got crushed. Two nights before that, or two games before that, Toronto. This was after some positive Willie D positivity. Which was, by the way, one and two at that point. Right. Toronto rolls in and they absolutely destroy the Kings. It wasn't even close. The Kings were never in the game. They made it one one, and you knew like Toronto's about to like tee off on them like four more. Right. Which brings, I mean, which begs the question. So what, what do you even gain by playing this kind of hockey right now? Not that, not that I, I think a team can tank, or, or nor would I encourage that because it sucks to have to watch that as a fan, but. Is this is this it? I guess is my question. Is this is this the premium product that we're going to get this season? Because if what we have to look forward to is occasionally beating the Vancouver's and the Edmontons of the world, only to have an actual good team walk in and embarrass us every time, then then what are we doing? What is what did the coaching change achieve? What is piercing? Uh, piercing. What is trading Pearson achieving? Yep. I, that's what I'm. I'm trying to figure out, and I think that's the same question that that the front office might be asking themselves right now: is what are we trying to pull off here? This is what frustrates me about this entire thing that's going on with the Kings. Is is the question of why? Why are these things happening? And I want to segue that into what's happening with Ilya Kovalchuk and his ice time. Over the last two games specifically, but it's been dwindling ever since, right. I would say, game three under Desjardins. There's, yeah. We've made no secret we're a fan of this player. Okay, let's get that out of the way right now. Vardy and I have always said we like this player. We've always liked this player. In a way, are we a little biased towards the player? I, I don't think that's true because, look, man, we're Kings fans first and foremost. This guy's been a King for three months. Okay, so I don't, I don't want anyone to be like we're – Kovalchuk sympathizers or we're siding with a player over the franchise or the team, whatever. However, I'm kind of disgusted by it, to tell you the truth. I, I, I don't like it. And I'll tell you why I don't like it, because I have not heard one legitimate reason for it yet. Right. And it's the same thing with the trade. And it's the same thing with some of the decisions the team has made. The team has made so far is give me a reason why we're doing this. Make it clear to me. And I'll be like, you know what? I get it. I right. understand. Here's a couple yeah, right of reasons. Yeah, right now it's a lot of dartboard moves. It's a lot exactly. of just like throwing stuff at the wall and some, you know, without I, any real clear motivation as to why. Exactly. So I'm going to uh, – let's talk about the Kovalchuk thing. Sure. I've heard four possible reasons why, <laughs> okay, this guy is not at the very least playing on the first power play unit. Okay, let's just start there. I'm going yeah. real low here. Yeah. Willie Desjardins said on the first time he was asked about this that Kovalchuk is a power play specialist and that that's why he's not getting the five on five minutes. At this time, Kovalchuk was getting power play minutes. So let's, mm-hmm. let's, let's, let's just go with that. Kovalchuk, Kovalchuk is a f- power play specialist. Okay, Eight of his 14 points under John Stevens came at even strength. Mm-hmm. So right off the bat, I don't believe you, Willie Desjardins. Stats aside, we watched the games, right? We watched. We've always believed that our eyes do not deceive us most of the time. Yes, sometimes underlying stats say a lot about a game. Stats that maybe your eye can't catch on a television. But this guy was effective at even strength. He was battling at even strength. He was trying to create at even strength. He was not just being a passenger. He wasn't just floating around. Am I wrong? Did your eyes also see that, Vardy, or am I – do I need to I've, get glasses? I've never – now, I, I realize that the Russian player stigma kind of precedes a lot of players, but I have never once 
in his entire career felt that Ilya Kovalchuk as a passenger is a floater. He's a type of guy that if you're looking for him to be, you know, a Selkie winner kind of thing, no, no, you're not going to get that. But I have never once seen him approach anywhere near the neutral to offensive zone and not want the puck more than anyone else on the ice. That to me is not a passenger. That to me is a guy who knows what he's good at and knows what the team that has brought him on is looking for from him and is trying to bring that to the table. He's trying to do things differently. He's trying to create offense differently. And yes, maybe that doesn't mesh perfectly with the style of play of Kopitar and Brown, who've been doing their same little half wall cycle for the last decade, but that's fine. You, to me, it's just unfair to take, to try and pigeonhole him and say that he's a power play guy and therefore I don't feel like I can use him in any other situation other than the power play. Especially, Especially when, when go ahead. you're not doing that. Yes. Especially when you're not utilizing him on the power play. That is by far the most baffling part of this. Just it doesn't make sense. It's stupid. Like it's dumb. You're just saying shit just to say it. It smells like shit. It looks like shit. I don't believe it. Every time he's asked, it's a different answer. Anyway, right. let's look at another possible reason, okay? The Kings are going young, and now they're going to play their youngsters in quality mm-hmm. minutes because the writing's on the wall, and we need you to go like, young. You mean like young Nate Thompson? Young Nate Thompson playing, what is it, 17 minutes? 17 minutes, a career high for Nate Thompson last yeah. game, folks. Yeah. Because no one else could do what Nate Thompson does for close to 18 minutes of the damn game. And listen, Nate Thompson, good soldier. Really like him. We were actually happy that he was brought back or that he wasn't traded away or whatever. That he was on the team. We thought, hey, that's a quality fourth line kind of guy. Right. Um, The problem is our quality fourth line kind of guys are now playing borderline top six minutes. Right. Are we getting results? Apparently, this is good enough. Five and six is like, look, everything's great. We're getting the results we want. Mind you, the productivity the productivity for the last couple games, the games that everyone was very excited about, you know, scoring five goals against Edmonton, granted the last two were, were empty netters, where's the productivity coming from? It's coming from basically one, one line. line. One line. It's coming from one line, and that was a line that had been – Ice cold, basically, for, I would say... Until Brown came back. Yeah, until Brown came back. And I still... Kopitar only in the last two or three games have I felt has looked even, you know, anything close to the 92-point guy that he was last season. Correct. And we talked about this early on, much like Vegas initially with their struggles when William Carlson wasn't producing the Kings go as the cop as Kopitar goes. So if Kopitar is not producing, we rode his coattails for our entire offense last season. Anywhere we were for our offense was basically because of him. And so now when he's not producing, what happens? The team does terribly. And now he's starting to produce and the team's starting to win games, but it's only him. I haven't seen a goal from Jeff Carter and I feel like a, you know, 11 a, games, an eon. 11 games, no yeah. goals for Carter. Right. Um, anyway, so ba- going back to the young thing. Yes. We want to play Sorry. the kids. Mean, hold on. No problem because we're going to be all over the place on this. <laughs> we want to play the kids. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Paul Ledoux was sitting. Now, he's not a kid. Let me clarify. He's 26 years old. It's already make or break time for him. It's not like we're easing him into the lineup, which, by the way, (laughs) only apparently Daryl Sutter was willing to do, which is absolutely nuts to me because in his first season, Ledoux got a lot of time with Mm -hmm. Kevin Gravel. Maybe it was lack of options, whatever. But since then, this guy hasn't gone gone to play much. Not a lot of hockey for him. so he's sitting, Dion Phaneuf, who I believe is dead last in plus-minus in the NHL right now, has not gone any time, uh, rescinded, taken back. His t- ice time has not been lowered in any way. He hasn't been healthy scratched once. Mm-hmm. He's a good guy. I get it. He's a good soldier. But right there, your LA is going younger argument is out the window mm-hmm. completely. So I don't want to hear it anymore. Daniel Brickley could be playing right now in the NHL and right. getting minutes. 
what would it change? We would be 31st in the NHL? Cool. So that's out of there. The next thing we kind of touched on it is that he has a, he hadn't scored a point in 10 games. So he needs to sit down. As we said, Jeff Carter, no goals in 11. Tyler right. Toffoli, one in his last 10. Right. I'm not saying sit those guys. It would be foolish right. to put them on the fourth line because they have done it for a long time. Jeff Carter has played long enough, well enough for me to know that at some point it's going to start going in for him. Yeah. Why doesn't Ilya Kovalchuk get that same same kind of treatment for a guy who, had he not gone to the KHL, would have 500 goals right now and would be looking at a Hall of Fame induction after his retirement? Right. And what pisses me off even more, Vardy, is the crap I hear about how, well, he's not doing the little things that he needs to do. Uh, I believe it was uh, Jonathan Davis who said – internally he tweeted, someone said that someone's unhappy about where he – where Kovalchuk wants to receive the puck. Right. He wasn't, he wasn't out there working on little things such as, for example, where he wants to receive the puck on passes Are for, you for one-timers. Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> This guy has 420 goals. Right. You're telling me that you're upset because he's not communicating where he like watch his goddamn tape. Right. Put go to YouTube and put Ilya Kovalchuk highlights. <laughs> and in a 20 minute video, 12 of those minutes will be one timers on the off wing. That's like tell, asking benching Alex Ovechkin because he didn't go and tell. I don't know, Jakob Verana to give it to him on the freaking one-timer on the off-wing where he likes it, where he scored 400 freaking goals in his uh. career. That is, See, this is the thing. It's It all smells like bullshit to me. Every reason smells like bullshit to me. I haven't heard right. one reason where I'm like, okay, Willie. Okay, right. Makes sense. Okay, sources in, within the team. I get it. Like, I understand it. Mind you, mind you, again – you're going to give Ilya Kovalchuk six to nine minutes of ice time a game with such offensive dynamos as Mike Amadio and occasionally, if he's lucky, he gets to play with the elite winger that is Nate Thompson. These are not guys who are going to be able to to set him up all that greatly anyway. In their six to seven minutes of ice time, I, I watched Kovalchuk play those minutes, and he's just so frustrated with the guys that he has to play with that he's just trying to do whatever he can to create some offense on his own. Last night against Vancouver, him and Ledoux, of all people, led a beautiful rush that led to a really close offensive chance because Ledoux took it in, dropped it off to Kovalchuk, and Kovalchuk teed up a wallop of a slap shot that the goalie could not stop, gave up a big rebound. And it was it was a great a offensive chance off a rebound off of one of his shots. I just don't I, I don't understand. I I'm not the coach, I'm not the GM, but I feel like I've watched enough hockey and I've watched enough of this team this season to to feel like there has to be a role for a player like Kovalchuk with his talent, with his ability, and with his resume. And to me, if you can't find a way to incorporate a guy like that into your roster, but you can find a way to give Nate Thompson 17 minutes, and you can find a way to put Kyle Clifford on the second line as as some strategy to help Jeff Carter and, and Tyler to fully produce, the problem is not the player. The problem is you. The problem is the coach and the coaching strategy. Some fun stats for you guys. Um, LA Kings currently have scored the least goals total in the NHL. They have the fourth worst power play in the NHL. They are generating the third least shots per game in the NHL. And Ilya Kovalchuk gets six minutes of ice time. Six to seven. They spoiled him yesterday. I think he was up to nine. He got nine last time. Yeah, wow. Cool. Here's the thing again. Give me a solid reason. Give me something I could look at and be like, cool. Because right now, it's just a bad look on the entire organization. Right. And that's what upsets me. I Look, before the coaching change, it was pretty obvious where the season was going, right? Right. I don't think we were fooling ourselves. It was, it was an ugly start. They look listless. But during that time, under John Stevens, Kovalchuk was the best player the Kings had. I don't think there's any question about that. Right. Um, 
And since the coaching change, all I'm seeing is just the the strangest, most odd quotes from this guy, decisions from this guy. I, it's – I don't know. I really don't know. Oh, another thing. Sorry. Another reason I want to touch on is that people say, well, look, he's being lazy. He's not back-checking and all this stuff. Ex- exactly who the hell do you think you were getting here? Right. Who were, Who do you think you were acquiring when you signed this guy? And by the way, he's not lazy. Does he maybe float on the back check a little? Fine. I'll, let's say I give you that, okay? Who the hell do you think you were getting? He's 35 years old. This is the game he's played his entire career. He right. scored 420 goals in the NHL playing this way. Right. So now you're shocked that, if it is true, now you're shocked that maybe... He's not a 200-foot player that he's not, like you mentioned, a Selkie Trophy candidate all of a sudden. And so you're going to punish him for doing the things that have made him one of the most successful players of our generation. If you look at goals per game, points per game. Right. I don't get it, man. And this is a problem with the Kings that now has been leaking in for the last three, four years. It's like, you know what, man? If you're not gritty, if you don't have that sandpaper, if you're anything outside of this stupid box we've created where you're just hard in the corners, grind one out, rebound goals, get on top of the goal. If you're not that player, you're like villainized in LA Kingsland. And it's stupid and it's disgusting to me because this team, more than anything, needs someone who is a little different, a little more special offensively, a little more gifted, someone who does something that is not in the same boring, tired, grind one out, crappy nonsense that has not been working for the last four years. Exactly. And I think that's the key is that it hasn't been working. It worked in 2012. It worked in 2014. But we have had every shred of evidence needed over the last few seasons to understand that that approach no longer works in the NHL. You have to have offensive dynamos you have to have creativity you have to keep the defense guessing as to what you're going to throw at them you can predict exactly how the kings are going to approach their offense every single game and so it almost ends up being random chance when they end up scoring goals because they just repeat themselves they do the same thing over and over again they cycle along the half wall cycle some more cycle some more the chances off the rush are not there The shots that come tend to be from the perimeter and you're hoping for rebound goals. You're hoping for shots from your defense and rebound goals up front. That approach does not work any longer. And I thought maybe, maybe I misconstrued this, but I thought that when they brought in Blake, that was one of the emphasis that he was trying to create was that that's all they talked about. Right. That's That's all all it was. was, We need to to get more creative. We need to get more shots from the slot. We need to, we need to adapt to what the game is becoming. We need to be faster, more creative. I, I haven't seen that. I thought I saw it briefly last season, but maybe that was just Kopitar and Brown kind of, you know, hitting their stride for one year. But I don't see it at all now. I haven't seen any shred of that at all this season. Outside of Ilya Kovalchuk, the first 14 games. Exactly. Exactly. And now you have a guy who's coaching your team who's hell-bent on rolling four lines every single game in the same damn order, no matter who's there, and giving guys like Nate Thompson and Kyle Clifford, you know, 14 to 17 minutes of ice time. When they've never they've never produced offense. They've never produced offense in their entire career. Why would they start now? Why would you why are you constantly trying to take square pegs and fit them into round holes instead of being able to adapt to the fact that you have weapons at your disposal? That's that to me is a hallmark of a bad coach. Yeah. Again, we're not trying to make this and you're right, by the way. We're not trying to make this like <laughs> this is like we're on team Kovalchuk and screw everyone else because we know I'm, no, I'm on team LA Kings. Exactly. It's a bad look on the team. It looks bad. Rob Blake signed this guy three years, 6.5. The first two years have a no move, which he can waive. By the way, we'll get into that in a minute, in a few minutes. Tell me if you're Rob Blake, you're not like, okay, this guy's making me look pretty foolish right now. Number one. Okay. Number two, Willie Desjardins looks completely foolish because he's again, failing to give you a concrete reason why he is not utilizing this weapon sitting on his bench okay that's 
Two ways we, the Kings are looking foolish right now. The third way is if you're a free agent, an upcoming free agent, and you're watching this mess. Right. And you're looking and you're seeing that this guy produced for 14 games and then off a cliff as soon as a new – why would you sign here? Why would you sign here? And by the right. way, the Kings had this problem for a very, very long time. And if you look at free agent signings, you could argue that Ilya Kovalchuk might be in the top, top three most significant free agent signings this franchise Absolutely. has ever had. Absolutely. Absolutely. And here's the, here's, the, here's the twist on that is that a lot of people made a point that when he was signed that they were paying him too much. He was too old. He wasn't going to be able to produce. The first, the first 15 games or the first 10 games that he played, I think he made people eat crow. He, he showed that he could still produce. He showed that he was still an NHL caliber player. And I think a lot of teams probably took notice and said, man, maybe we should have considered bringing this guy on. And now – all of a sudden, you're trying to say that he he's no longer that type of a player. I, I'm just very confused. I'm very very confused. It just looks. I have no. It idea. looks disorganized. It looks disjointed. It, it looks like the team does not know what they're doing. And, right. And that's just the reality of it. It just doesn't look good. Right. It, it would be the same thing if we signed. I don't know. Whoever, if we had traded Jeff for Skinner, Skinner <laughs> right? Uh, it, I would be right now. Me and Vardy would be on this podcast ranting about. Jeff Skinner's usage had this been the exact same situation. So it's not about Kovalchuk, but it just it, – it smells like shit. It, it doesn't feel good to, to like right. watch this. And, you, oh, yay, the Kings – okay, cool, man, they're winning. But it, it looks like turmoil. It does not look like a solid yeah. team right now moving yeah. forward to give you any hope that they're going to turn it around and, and make a run to the playoffs, especially when now you're hearing, which we're about to get into, is like sooner or later they're going to have to try to trade Ilya Kovalchuk. Yeah, which it's, I understand clearly. It breaks my heart. It sucks because, because he was playing well, and he chose to play here. Right. And even if we're going young, if you're going to trade a lot of pieces out, guess what? You're still going to need some veteran pieces to surround those young kids with. So if you, let's say, you're going to move out the tweener age people like your Muzzins, Martinez, Toffoli. Of course, I guess we're never trading Kyle Clifford, which yeah. is fine. Okay, fine. I understand his, his intangibles. But you're going to have to surround those guys, the Velardis, the whoever the hell you're going to pick in this upcoming draft, which by all indications will be a solid pick. Luff, who's playing great, who's been a very great addition to this team. Uh, Wagner, Amadio, who for whatever reason can't crack the friggin' lineup now, even mm-hmm. though he's showed a lot of promise. If you make a trade for a young piece now, let's say you flip the Toffoli and Muzzin hypothetically and get a young player back, you're going to have to surround these players with veterans, with veterans they can learn from. And immediately your mind goes to Brown, Kopitar, uh, Dowdy, Quick, yep. right? Carter, maybe. I. I think they would – I can't believe I'm saying this, but maybe they should be looking at trading Jeff Carter at this point in time. Yeah. And, you know, a few months ago, I would never say that. A few months ago, we were ranting and raving about how you can't blow up the team. And we're still – I still stick by that because the names that we're really talking about was Kopitar, Dowdy, and Quick. You're not going to get rid of those guys in my yeah. opinion. Um, but you're going to need veterans to, to surround that and, and honestly you're locked into Ilya Kovalchuk he's playing well I don't see why he can't be one of those guys I mean you have him for three seasons right you have him for three seasons unless he starts requesting that you trade him right which and, <laughs> and to me so here's here's my question and I don't have a line to Rob Blake to to you know ask him this but my question to him would be are were you happy with your purchase were you disappointed that you signed this guy when you had Stevens when you were watching this guy play? Granted, the team itself was floundering in multiple different facets, but were you disappointed? Did you think that Ilya Kovalchuk was one of the reasons why this team was not succeeding? Is And now that they're not necessarily performing to their expectations, but they're doing a little bit better against teams that I think they should have been beating regardless, but... Do you actually think that the reason why you're winning is because Ilya Kovalchuk is only playing six minutes? Or do you think that your coach, your interim coach that you brought in, in the hopes that it would spark something in your team, is mismanaging your roster? I think, uh, to me, to me, there would be a lot of regret 
in terms of what he's seeing. I don't think that Rob Blake and Robitaille brought Ilya Kovalchuk in for him to play six or seven minutes on the fourth line. I don't think that that was their expectation, and I don't think that he has done anything in the games that he has played so far to justify his usage on the fourth line. Right. Yeah. There's there's not a reason in the world to me why you cannot fit this guy into your into your power play. I mean, it, it, it's it baffles me. It baffles me that. We have to come up with excuses as to why you can't fit a 400 goal score on your power play. Yep. I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know where where it's going to lead to. I don't know if it's going to lead to Kovalchuk requesting a trade. I don't know if it's going to lead to, you know, Blake having some private conversations with Desjardins or with Kovalchuk and saying, look, we got to figure this out because this is not what he's here for. And, I don't know. Yep. I don't I don't think I don't think Blake is particularly married to Willie Desjardins as a future coach of the LA Kings. If he was, they wouldn't have given him the interim tag. Correct. But it would it would it would really be upsetting to me if we lost Ilya Kovalchuk in a season that honestly is is a is a very confusing, frustrating, overall pointless season in a lot of ways. Yep. Um if you think we're being hard on Willie, I'd like to read you this quote that he, okay. when he was asked on why Ilya Kovalchuk is not getting the minutes that he likely should be getting. Quote, when you've always been a top two line guy, for sure, all of a sudden somebody puts you on the fourth line, it's going to be hard for him to find his game. So it's not fair to him in some ways either. I'm making him play to his weaknesses. This is what a, does that mean? This is a fireable quote to me. <laughs> Am I honestly? Is this not? Tell me this you, as an outsider reading this. You're like, what? It unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah, that he quote, basically just blew my he mind. basically just admits that yeah, I'm screwing up. But it's not even that. <laughs> I don't think he's even admitting that. He's like, yeah. I don't know why I'm doing it, <laughs> which but might I'm be even worse. Yeah. But I'm but I'm doing it. Yeah, you know. Anyway. Yeah, and it's funny. It's funny because you you know you look back at some of the the Canucks uh, blog entries from back when Willie Desjardins was fired, and you try and parse out what their opinions were of him, and you see names like Jason Menya come up. You know, and and the constant four lines rolling, no matter what the situation was, the lack of creativity and the lack of flexibility to adapt to a different in-game situation. Those are all the reasons that were constantly cited as to why Willie Desjardins was fired from being the Canucks coach. And within a 10-game sample size, you're already seeing those types of fingerprints on the Kings and how he's coaching them. Nate Thompson is your new, is your new Jason Menya. Kyle Clifford is your new Jason Menya. But the thing is, like, he's not rolling four lines. He Equally, is, but not okay. Not the, except the fourth line, right? Except Kovalchuk. <laughs> come on, come on. I, I like. I get it. Okay. I, I, sometimes look, it's a tale as old as friggin' time in sports, right? Benching a guy. Because they're not performing. Yeah. Well, benching a guy because he's not performing, sitting a guy to send a message. It's it's in every sport. It's been done for years. It will be done in the future. But my beef is, and I'm going to say this for the last time. Why are you doing this? How is (laughs) it helping your team? What message is it sending to your players? I have no answers on either of those. Right. And no why, is, why is those. and why is only one player being used to send that message when the entire team is struggling and doing terribly? Why is this the player that you're choosing to sit or bench for a period of time to send them a message or get them to work on whatever thing it is that you think that they're not doing? Exactly, because you can't you can't tell me that the rest of this team has been so rock solid they've just had a bad go of it that no one else deserves to sit. There's plenty of guys that deserve to grab some bench. There's this des- deserve is a good word because there's this whole thing like who deserves what right now. 
people saying Kyle Clifford deserves the look on the second line, which I'll be like, okay, he, he does work hard. I'm with that. He has earned maybe a look one or two games. But my question is, what has Kovalchuk done to deserve to be on the fourth line? Yeah. If, you're answer, if you can't answer that question as a coach, if you can't give me a straight answer as to why what he's done to deserve being benched so severely, right? And and what then can I he can't do take you seriously from the fourth line? What can he do when you know that his strength is goal scoring? This is this is my other question. Is so so if you give him four minutes of ice time and he gets a goal in four minutes of ice time, does that mean that you then elevate are him? Like, <laughs> do you give him eight minutes based on that? I don't understand. I don't I don't get it because Kyle Clifford will play 15 minutes and not score a goal for several games. I can promise you that the one goal he had is because Varlamov bobbled the puck and he happened before checking. So I, I, that's what I don't understand. What is what is the reward system here? What is the punishment and reward structure? Because you're punishing a guy for not being productive and the punishment is to give him four minutes of ice time and no power play time and then expect him to be productive or you want him to suddenly start being a checking forward and then and then you're going to give him some time and hope he goes back to being I, I, that's, there's no logic here that it doesn't hold water as to what the hell the approach is and the other thing is that some people would argue that there are players out playing him right now austin wagner matt Luff. fine yesterday austin wagner got seven minutes of ice time yeah. So, Mike, here's the thing: how do you break <laughs> how do you break this down? How how do you break down who gets ice time based on what? Matt Luff got 13 minutes. Sheldon Rempel, a young player who showed flashes, four minutes and 45 seconds. Right. Is that even worth him being on the roster? Four minutes and 45 seconds. Now, in this case, you'd be like, okay, fine. He's a young kid. Whatever. I just don't get it. I don't get the discrepancies here. It's really Kovalchuk, nine minutes. Kyle Clifford, 14 minutes. Adrian Kempe, 15.43. Adrian Kempe has not had a good season. Adrian Kempe... He's definitely taken a step back. Has taken a step back. He was, I think, on the ice for Edmonton's game-tying goal. Vancouver's as well. uh, Vancouver, sorry. Uh, Didn't cover the man in front. Mm-hmm. whatever it's just it, nothing makes sense when i look at up and down on the time on ice tyler to fully 2103 more just ice time than alex i follow just reward him more reward ice time than for... alex i follow <laughs> yeah i don't get it. it it just doesn't make sense alex i follow has been playing well that lines the i think they have six of the last 10 goals by the kings Tyler Toffoli has been struggling all season. He's gotten looks. He can't bury the puck. But he's getting, Which was a problem he was having last year too, by yes, the way. But he's getting enough ice time with enough good players to get those looks. Right. And, and you're thinking as sooner or later it's going to go in. So why not, why not with your big free agent acquisition? Anyway, yeah. uh, I'm frustrated with Willie Desjardins. Vardy yeah. is frustrated with Willie Desjardins. Regardless of how excited you are about two wins in a row, it's – Something looks broken, and it doesn't feel good. Right? Had Kovalchuk been, no, whoever had the ice time made sense to me, had everything made sense to me, and the Kings won two in a row, maybe I'd be hyped with you a little bit. Yeah. But it just you're not you're not going to keep winning with Kyle Clifford on the second line, and with Nate Thompson playing 17 minutes a night. Yeah, I'm 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 not there yet. I am I am not in any way, shape, or form a believer that things are turning around in any way. I think we're still treading water, still inconsistent from one game to the next, still have a ton of players who are not playing to their potential. And frankly, I I don't even think like the return of Jonathan quick is going to make any difference. I realize that that's been, that's been another thing. Like he was hurt for a while and like everyone somehow thought that like, if he comes back, it's going to be no, yeah, this is, and I'll this tell is you not, why. Because Cal Peterson has been outplaying him. Yeah, when Quick was in net this season, he did not look at Cal Peterson. No. Has Cal been Peterson the best goalie the Campbell Kings have had both. this season. Right, 
And right. let's let's talk about him. Let's talk about him. Let's talk about great. some positivity. Yeah. If ever, I, ne- I I don't know if I ever felt comfortable that when Jonathan Quick makes the handoff to the next goalie that we'd right. be in good shape. Now I do because Cal Peterson is a gamer. He's a great goaltender. Does he have holes in his game? Hell yeah, he does. He's played a handful of NHL games, but you know what? He's gone better every game. Right. And he battles and he competes. And you know who he reminds me of? Jonathan Quick. Yes, he does. So Yes, he does. There you go. That's one thing where I'm like, great. And I'm glad they they keep playing him. I'm glad, you know, Peter Budai hasn't seen a single game. I'm happy about that. Because yeah. why, why? Why would he? Yeah. Which is – and again – this just comes back to the frustration because you see that he's capable of making these smart coaching decisions. You see that he's capable of saying like, I got a young guy who's playing well. I'm going to ride the hot hand. I'm going to give him his few games because I know his time up here is limited. Yep. As soon as Quick gets back, he's gonna obviously we're going to give him – yeah, we're going to send him back down. So you see him making these smart decisions from time to time and you're just like, I don't get it. I don't understand why – we can't extend this decision making <laughs> this to to the rest of the roster. Yeah. yeah, I don't understand. Anyway, but it it does it does to kind of piggyback off your positivity. I know we've mentioned quick as part of the you know the foundation of this team and and maybe one of those guys, but. He's getting a little bit older. Absolutely. He's getting a little bit unhealthier. Absolutely. The question you're about to ask is very valid. Right. Do you start considering moving Jonathan Quick? It's a tough if question. You ha- if you have a taker, and I can think of at least one team in Orange who <laughs> they would be, who have ties <laughs> to Jonathan Quick. Who also seem to constantly struggle with having a good goaltender who – hey, man – are there are there very many other two cup winning consmith winning goaltenders out there that maybe if there was ever a season where you would consider that they would move Jonathan Quick would this not be it it would be it and and uh, like you said we mentioned Quick as like part of the core that we'd never see moving um i still have a hard time believing that they would but yeah. but to your point if there was ever a time now that you see your goalie of the future has a bright future. Right. He's proven – I know it's a small sample size, but he's proven that he can play in this league minimum. He can play in the yes. league. Yes. Uh, and he can play well, I would think. And he's only going to get better. Logic tells you he's only going to get better. Yeah. If de- Depending on the direction you're going, it could be something to consider. I have a hard time believing they would mm-hmm. because, look – if you're going to give the reins to Cal Peterson, can't think of a better backup than Jonathan Quick down yeah. the line. Now, he's going to be expensive as a right. backup. You don't want to pay your backup that kind of money. But to be a mentor type, he still fits that mold. But he, being who he is, don't know if he's the guy who wants to accept that. Oh, no. I, I do not see – I mean, he'll, he'll play nice for a little while, I think, and, you know, we'll – pat jack campbell on the back or if you want to go farther back he'll pat martin jones on the back and and encourage him but he's a competitor man he wants to be between the pipes no matter what and uh i don't know i mean it just it just gets the mind thinking right like when things are good yes when things are good everyone wants to keep everything together and everything should be awesome and there's certain players that no matter if it's good or bad you don't trade them but now coming off of two fairly significant injuries two seasons in a row not getting any younger still has the capability to steal games and b i think he still has the capability to be a, a cup winning goaltender but for sure given where the team is now and given that what his value is do you consider and do you look back at a situation like you had with martin jones where you knew this guy was going to be a starting goalie Yep. You knew this dude was going to be a starting goalie in the league within one or two seasons. Do you make that same mistake? Well, it's, it's tough to call it a mistake. I, I, granted, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't necessarily – but do you – do, do you think twice that this same time. gamble? Right. Yeah. Do, do you, you make that same gamble? Yeah. Because 
I don't think you're going to find yourself in this type of scenario very often. And if you do, you're probably going to get fired as a GM anyway. So I think if there was ever a season where you consider taking some phone calls and seeing if anyone would be interested in a Jonathan Quick, especially when your team is up against the cap the way it is, and if you had to think about a player amongst the big four that you at least have some sort of a replacement somewhat directly in line, he's the guy. Because you don't have a replacement for Drew Doughty. Yeah. You don't have a replacement for, for Kopitar. Brown, I don't think you would even want a replacement for him at this point. He's playing well, thankfully, and living up to his contract numbers. So, I don't know. It's it, it's, I think, it's tough. It's tough because of the attachment, obviously, and all that to the player. But we've always said, like, you... You're married to the team. You're married to the team, not the player. player. And that would be like the ultimate test. (laughs) Like, that's going to really put that to the test if that ever came to fruition. Another angle on this is the expansion draft. Right. You're going to have to protect one goalie. One goalie. And that's going to be probably in what, two seasons, I think, at this point? Because the Board of Governors are meeting to talk about Seattle just in the next couple weeks. And that's basically a foregone conclusion. Yeah. Yeah. Do you only protect one? I can't remember. You protect one. And at that point in time, would Cal Peterson have to be protected? Right. He would have to be. Because he would have played the required number of games. Between now and two seasons from now, Cal Peterson's not going to have played, I think it was 25 games. Oh, yeah. If that's the. There's no question. He'll he'll be the backup next year, minimum. Let's say he gets. So he'll get 10 games there. He's already played what? Five, I think. Five, six. Um, wow, yeah. So that there you go. That's another kind of wrinkle. You got to think about that now. Right. You got to consider that. So that kind of right. changes things a little bit too. But look, man, the bottom line, he looks like the real deal goalie. Like, you, that's a great signing by Rob Blake. Like, yeah. you want to talk positivity about a decision made by management? Like. Yeah, love, and I, love that one. And I, I don't want to come off as you know unappreciative of some of the great signings that they've made. Even oh, even no, guys no. like Rimmel, like that's those are great. Brickley, you know those those all seem like really great signings. But and, it's and, like and quite honestly, I don't know how Blake feels about what is going on right. with the Kovalchuk situation. Because yeah. if I was the GM who signed him, and I'm leaving it up to the coach to handle the players the way he's going to handle them, right. I'd pull him to the side and be like, "Hey, man." Care to just give care to explain? Yeah, well, keep me in the loop at least. Like, well, why why are we sitting the guy not on, the guy that we not only spent this much money on and invested this much time into, but who was our best player for the first fifteen games of the season? Right. Perhaps explain to me <laughs> why yeah. this is happening, and ha- ha- if he's already done that and they've already had this conversation and he's okay with it. Why can't we hear? Because I, I, I fancy yeah, Blake Rob Blake very is a smart I, I guy. Yeah, I, I haven't heard I, anything I think he's from a, Rob. Right, I think he's a smart guy. So if it was good enough for him, provided this conversation even happened, if it was good enough right. for him, I suspect it would be good enough for me right. and you. So I don't know. I wonder if they just have like a bunch of awkward, tense exchanges. You know, like where they walk down one another in a hallway, and Blake kind of stops for a second, like he's going to ask him, and he's like, "Nope." Nope, gonna keep walking. Yeah, just it's weird, man. And before it's, it's anyone we- before anyone says like we're just fans, who are we to be owed an explanation? We're owed an explanation, not just yeah. me, not just Vardy, all of you. We are owed an explanation as to why yeah. this is happening, because we are. I don't mean to get all high and mighty. The fans pay bills and all this nonsense because I don't really believe that, but. We are the paying customers of this team, and we are right. an entertainment brand. To make no mistake about it. Yeah, so, and it's not a coincidence, by the way, that the Kings got—I don't know—three season-long sellout streak just happened to end this season. Yeah, it may not seem like a big deal, but that matters, man. That matters when you're the general manager of a team and it's floundering, and people aren't coming through the turnstiles anymore. Sure, because that's. That's when you start noticing that things aren't going right. Look at Philly. Yeah. By the way, exactly. People stop showing up to those games. 
because they have good options in Philadelphia, by the way. Exactly. There's exactly. a lot of good sport teams going on there right now. Outside of the Flyers, I think every team is good at the moment. So numbers start going down. Guess what happens? Ron Hextall's out. A GM right. firing in the middle of the season, which is a unicorn. Well, and, and today they fired their uh, assistant coach and assistant GM as yes. well. Yes. So they are and, – and Philly's a team that, again – Aside from the goaltending, which has been their Achilles heel for God knows how long. That's the problem with the team, bro. Yeah, that's it. That's all it is. <laughs> that's what it is. Everything else about that team from the drafting to their offense is just dynamic. Their and drafting is fantastic. And they yeah. fired the guy who was responsible for most of their drafts. Chris Pryor, yeah. their assistant GM, got let go. Yeah. <laughs> that's the equivalent of the Kings firing Mike Fuda in like 2015. Crazy. It's there's a lot of weird stuff going on right now, and not a lot of it makes sense. But that's what happens when teams lose: is that you just search for answers, kind of in the dark, and you start doing just random stuff. You know, yeah. you fire everyone but the head coach of a team <laughs> like the Flyers. You fire Joel Quinville from the Blackhawks. You. You try and bring in Willie Desjardins to coach the Kings and let him give Ilya Kovalchuk four minutes of ice time because you're just not sure what the hell else to do. Strange things happen when your teams lose. Absolutely. And Absolutely. And you look at Philly, the makeup of that team, it's Dude, solid. I would kill to have, I would kill to have Philly's <laughs> offense. Are you kidding me right now? Solid. Just Giroud, Couturier, Voracek. And then, and then like your secondary is like Konechny, Simmons – Nolan Patrick's coming up. Right. Like, that's a good hockey team. Yeah. Defense. Ivan Provorov is there. Shane Gostisbehere. Young, good defenseman. You just brought in JVR, who's, who's only played a handful of games, and he already has, like, four points. <laughs> so there is pieces there, but their goaltending is just trash. Yeah. Carter Hart, hurry up. Save this franchise because they're just waiting man. for him, Seriously. apparently. Anyway. Um Good rants. Good rants today, yeah, Vardy. Sorry. Got it's, it. it's, a, it's a bit of a ranty episode, guys. It's a ranty episode, but like with – I think within reason. I don't think we're being unreasonable. The whole thing and doesn't maybe smell good. Maybe you guys feel like it's all been turned around and all you needed was, was two games against Edmonton and, and Vancouver to make you think that this is it, guys. We're good to go. I, I just need to see more. I haven't seen enough in those two games for me to feel like this team has really turned anything around or figured out what was bothering them for them to drop eight straight games because it's, it's not just this season. We saw this creeping in, in the middle of last season, we saw creeping in, in the playoffs and maybe we were all just a little bit, you know, blind to it. We're all wearing a little bit of rose colored shades here and, and trying to think that like, Oh, they still got it. But absolutely. I think that's a big part of it. You look at, Look, the top line scoring and your goaltender is, is stealing some games. Yeah. And that what has resulted in what's that what that has resulted in is a five and six record. Exactly. <laughs> you exactly. know, let's uh, now if you think that that's gonna be good enough to get you to beat the Nashvilles, the Colorados, the Torontos of the league, I man, I'm I I am sorry for you. I am very sorry because you're gonna you're in a world of hurt coming your way. Yep. Um, let's look ahead to the schedule, Vardy. Yeah. Always fun. That's good. So the Kings have coming up a Alberta trip. Mm. Back to back. <clears throat> oh, boy. Tomorrow night in Edmonton. Can we get three in a row? Friday night in Calgary looking for the Western Canada sweep. Um. Both teams struggling. Yep. Oilers <laughs> uh, bring in Ken Hitchcock, who I have a lot of respect for. I'm not here to make fun of Ken Hitchcock, but how Peter Chiarelli still has a job is boggles my mind. Yeah. Hall for Larson alone, he should have been shit-canned the next – or <laughs> not the next day, but as soon as Hart, you saw that uh, Hall was going to be a Hart candidate – yeah. Should have fired this guy. Yeah. He has not built a good team. Dreisaitl, McDavid. 
Eugene Hopkins. Sure. Outside of that, not a whole lot going on there. Yeah. Kajula looks like he might be a good player. Fine. Darnell, Darnell Nurse looks like he might be a good player. Um, Cam Talbot, shockingly, is not the goalie they were looking for. Oh, my God. I am I am baffled. <laughs> I'm, I am. How? How could the meteoric rise of Cam Talbot have come to such a drastic and unpredictable end? Yeah. When he was stopping 56 shots a night. I thought it was so sustainable. Yeah. As did I, Vardy. It was so obvious to everyone. Um, so they're struggling. They're not by any means a sure lock to beat the Kings or vice versa. Um, yeah. Calgary the next night. Mike Smith. Let's, let's keep that going. Mike Smith. Fans <laughs> ready to run his ass out of town. <laughs> James Mike Neal. Smith. Hold on. James Neal. Healthy scratched. Man, that's there you go. <laughs> there you go. You want to talk about a you want to talk about a free agent signing that has uh, been slightly regrettable. There you go. Because that was a guy that the Kings had looked at too briefly. I'm sure the Kings looked at everyone. Max Pacioretty, yeah. who is now coming on a little bit, right? Um, struggling with injuries as is as his <laughs> as is his role in life. Yeah, James injuries. James Neal's in the press box because in 24 goals he has three goals and two assists. 24 games. 24 games, yes. Yes, correct. 24 games, he has three goals and two assists. Ilya Kovalchuk, I hate to come back to this, much better numbers. Yes. <laughs> Ilya Kovalchuk, despite not having a point in the last, I think, nine games and getting something between four and seven minutes, sorry, four and nine minutes for the last couple games, still only one point behind the Kings' lead in scoring. And only because Kopitar's had a good couple games. I think he's still tied for the league. Kopi's got 15 now. Oh, did he get his 15? Just one ahead. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um, After that, those two games, Carolina comes into town on Sunday. God, we're going to lose that one bad. Seems like we are. Arizona on Tuesday. That's not an easy game, man. Arizona is a good game. Absolutely not. It's not an easy game. Yeah. Arizona is a good looking squad. Um, Then New Jersey on Thursday. Corey Schneider, man, what a sad story. I really had high hopes for him this season, but he has just, he's done. It looks like yeah. he does not want to play hockey anymore. It's blockade time for the rest of the season, I think. Yeah. And then uh, Vegas comes in, a 1 p.m.er. They're starting to come on. And it's uh, a 1 p.m. game? Yeah, sure yeah. is. You might as well. <laughs> and then the next week, the Kings have a four game road trip that features Detroit, Buffalo, Columbus, Pittsburgh. Buffalo, Oof. currently, I believe, the best team in their best division. Team in the league. In the league. There you go. Best team in the league coming off 10 straight wins and Jeff Skinner absolutely lighting the world on fire. Yep. You want to yep. watch a fun team? That's watch a fun some team, Sabres man. highlights, man. Young, hungry, fun. And they just have a good time. They just have a really good yeah. time out there. Yeah. They, they are a bunch of dudes who are like, yeah, I'm going to take this puck between my legs because I feel like I can. Yep. And they just try it. Because they have zero fear of failure. Anyway, uh, our, our point in this is that let's see how the Kings do <laughs> with these opponents. We have we have a feeling we know how it's going to go. Yeah. Because of what we've seen when they play opponents that aren't lottery teams. Yeah. Um, we're not optimistic. Not going to lie. But once again, we always say this. Prove us wrong. We will eat the crow gladly. That's yes. our that's our thing, eating crow. Yeah. And I got to say, our eat crow per 60 has dipped quite a bit this season. Yes. We, we are, our brag per 60 is right. going to be ticking up a little. <laughs> yeah. No, we're not yeah. the type of guys to tell you I told you so, although we'll see how this little stretch of games goes. But anyway, right. I think that's it for us, guys. I think uh, we've exercised a few demons here, I hope. Um Got a lot of bad juju out of my body. I've been really frustrated the last few games. I know, big guy. I know. If you go to our Twitter, this will not come as a shock to you, this yes. episode. In fact, I tweeted warning you guys that this is what was going to yeah. happen uh, in today's episode. So, And P.S., thank you guys. You have been going to our Twitter quite a bit, and we absolutely. appreciate that very much. Our, our um, engagement has been going Terrific. off. I think our fo- – look, we're not we're – not, sugarcoating anything we have 132 followers that is not impressive to anybody 
Um, but I'll tell you this: every follower we get, we are we friggin' earn. excited. Okay, one thirty-three. When we get to two hundred, there might be a little party. I don't know. But we don't judge. Look, we don't judge our quote-unquote. I guess if you want to call it success the amount of fun we have, how much we enjoy this by the number of followers we have. I think that's silly. Uh, we don't buy followers. I could go out and buy, Vardy can go out and buy a thousand followers, right? We don't, we don't play that. We don't, I don't like play that. that. Kind of, I don't got that kind of money. <laughs> that too. Um, but the point is, thank you guys. Honestly, the comments, everything. We really appreciate it. We love it. Keep it coming. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Keep listening. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter. Hit us up on our website. You can find the contact form, bannermanpodcast.com. Our Twitter is the Bannerman Pod. We have the SoundCloud running. We have the Stitcher running. Subscribe. Leave us reviews. Leave us comments. We will respond because that's what we do. We love our bannerheads. Until next time. Episode 32. Between Kelly Rudy and Jonathan Quick, good luck, Vardy. It's a battle for the ages. You've been listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast.